0: Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us, and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. Well, it sure is fun to welcome back someone we talked to a number of weeks ago, and since then, he's uh, released a book that we're going to be talking about today. This is Dr. Jim Dennison. Jim, welcome back to we're our Glad podcast. to be with
1: you. Thank yeah. you for the privilege of being in this conversation with you today, uh, my friend.
0: Let me just uh, remind people of, of who you are, Jim. Uh, I'll just read from a little bio he sent, a cultural scholar, pastor, and author who helps people respond biblically and redemptively to the vital issues of our day. He's co-founder and chief vision officer of the Denison Forum, which is based in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. It's a nonprofit that comments on current issues through a biblical lens. Uh, he does. He speaks, writes, all from a biblical point of view. I'm really proud to be a brother with this gentleman. As we were talking even before we began to record. And uh, he's a cultural consultant for various organizations that do seek a Christian r- worldview on current events. He previously was a pastor of churches, both in Texas and Georgia. He really ought to come up to Michigan one of these days, where it's nice and sunny and warm, especially here in January and I'm joking, of course. Um, Anyhow, he holds a PhD in Master of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He and his wife, Janet, live in Dallas and have two sons and four grandkids.
1: So welcome back, Jim. Andy, glad to be back with you today. I do have to confess to you as a guy that's been in Texas and Georgia his whole life. I'm glad to be talking by podcast with you in Michigan (laughs) in January, maybe in April, maybe in May. Let's have a conversation. Uh, I did a conference in Wisconsin, one October, Uh and it was already snowing. It never snows except the movie screen. You know, Uh, I'm happy to do it this way.
0: Well, uh, we've got, I've got a friend that was up in Marquette, which is in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, he said, basically, there's two seasons. There's winter and the 4th of July. <laughs> and he said, actually, on one of the 4th of Julys, when he lived there, it actually did snow, believe it or not. There you so, go. There you go. Anyhow, we're, we, we move on. Anyhow, you published a book mm. uh, in January of this year called The Coming Tsunami. In fact, I, I printed the copy of the cover. Mm -hmm. And uh, the subtitle, Why Christians Are Labeled Intolerant, Irrelevant, Oppressive, and Dangerous, that's kind of the negative, and then a little positive, and How We Can Turn the Tide. And uh, I had the privilege of of reading through um, most of the book uh, the other day. It's a great great read. Mm, Thank you. So uh, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about, about the book.
1: Yeah, happy to do it. Thank you for the conversation, the chance to do that. So, as I said, I grew up in Houston. We don't know much about tsunamis there. Maybe you've been in the Pacific Rim or someplace where they're pretty common. Uh, Tsunamis, as we know, are these massive tidal waves you can see, typically caused by forces you can't see. It could be an underwater volcano. It might be a meteor. 80% of the time, it's an underwater earthquake mm-hmm. that causes the rising tide. For instance, uh, one example March 11th, 2001, there was an underwater earthquake 45 miles off the coast of Japan, right. caused tsunamis that killed nearly 16,000 people, Amazing. $235 billion in damage. Mm-hmm. So I believe, using that metaphor, that there are four what you could call cultural earthquakes that have been going on in recent decades that we need to understand as believers. They're causing what I believe, Randy, is the most significant rise of opposition against Christian faith in American history. And I'm not saying that to sell books. I wouldn't have said it like that even six months ago. I'm convinced that's where we are now. But the good news is it's always too soon to give up on God. Amen. God, I think, wants to use this desperation to bring about the awakening that I know you're working for and you're praying for and that I'm working and praying for as well. And I believe God could use even this conversation in your ministry and what you're doing in Western Michigan to cause and to catalyze that awakening we need so desperately.
0: That's really good. That's really good. You you do mention four earthquakes, so maybe we should just kind of highlight those four, sure. so people get an understanding of what what exactly are you talking about.
1: You bet. Very, very briefly. The first yep. in the kind of chronological order. The first is a denial of biblical truth. Right. It says truth is personal, individual, and subjective. 92% of Americans say they are their own sole determiner moral truth. Wow. The chapter explains where that comes from, how we yep. got that idea, going back to Immanuel Kant, but mm-hmm. it essentially gets us to this post-truth culture that says the Bible is therefore outdated. If yeah. you think the Bible is objective, absolute truth, well, that's just outdated stuff. Well, now you move to the second earthquake, which is a denial of biblical morality. Now we're in the sexual revolution of the 1960s right. all the mm. way to the present. Mm-hmm. Obergefell, 2015, do the so-called Equality Act today. Mm-hmm. The LGBTQ activism that was normalizing mm-hmm. LGBTQ activity, then legalizing. Now we're in stigmatizing those who disagree That's and right. next is criminalizing.
0: That's right. That's right. Those who
1: disagree. Yes. That's that second earthquake. Third earthquake out of the second is a rejection of biblical witness. Now we're talking about critical theory and critical race theory hmm. which says that Christians are the majority class and therefore are by definition oppressing
0: mm-hmm. the
1: minority classes whatever they might be. Right. in The culture Yes. Fourth earthquake is not as obvious in the culture yet, but it really is rising in the academy and on the coast. It says personal authenticity is the path to flourishing. If mm. you disagree with these other three, if you think the Bible's objectively true, if you think biblical morality is objectively important, mm. if you're trying to uh, advance your witness in the culture, your religion is dangerous. We now know religion flies planes into buildings and causes 9-11s and clergy abuse scandals and spends money on buildings instead of people and heaven instead of earth. So there's this rising replacement radical ideology, which says religion is now dangerous to society. That's where we are. That's the tsunami we're facing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you know the, the summary of that. And, and again, you get into really helpful detail in your book on each one of those earthquakes that's that's bringing the tsunamis our way. Um, you know, the, the, the basic topic, you know, a theme of, of these podcasts is what is God saying to the Christian church in America today? And uh, again, you talk about these things implying, at least one could suggest on the surface, that, oh, poor us here. But... <laughs> Is God trying to say something to the American church through these pains? You've already implied it by some of your comments here, but talk to talk to us about that. What is what's God trying to say to us as American
1: Christians? Question. Thank you. That is the question. God redeems all he allows. Yes, God's not surprised by this conversation, right? God's not taking notes. That's right. on our talk here. None of this is. He's surprising. sovereign. He's, He's the, the sovereign Lord. Lord. Lord sovereign of the universe. Lord Amen. of the universe. But I'll tell you our problem, at least my problem. And it's been the case for American evangelicals for a long time: is self sufficiency. Yes. Self sufficiency is spiritual suicide. Mm. Wow. Human words can't change human hearts. We can't convict people of sin. We can't save souls. We can't change lives. But we kind of, I think, have forgotten that. We yeah. built mega churches. We built Ugh. huge denominations. And mm. I'm not being disparaging on all of that. God has been working in the midst of that in wonderful and and marvelous ways. But at least for me, as a pastor of well, my four churches together had 20,000 members. My last church had uh, had 10,000 members, $12 million budget. It's real easy to get self-sufficient. It's real yeah. easy to think we got it figured out. Yeah. And I think one of the ways God wants to redeem the tsunami is to make us more desperate,
0: mm-hmm. more
1: dependent on him, wow. more realizing that we're back in that place where Daniel's praying for his people and all <laughs> that they're facing. And Ezra and Nehemiah praying with a broken heart and Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. God wants to raise up in his people a heart cry for awakening, a heart cry for the movement of the Holy Spirit without which our future as a culture is so much in question. God didn't guarantee America a future. At the end of the day, he is sovereign king of kings and Lord of lords. That's right. One other word of hope here that I could, if I could share that. I love it. Yes. We all have a sense of a geographical call from God, right? God called you to Michigan. Yep. knowing there's winter in Michigan. He called me to Texas knowing there's summer in Texas, right? He, we have a sense of, like Paul's Macedonian vision, God has a sure. where for us. But That's there's right. also a when to God's call, not just geography, but chronology. It's by his providence. We weren't alive a hundred years ago. That's true. A hundred years from now with the Lord carries. I say that to say, Randy, if God couldn't use us right now, we wouldn't be in right now. Hmm. If God couldn't make us missionaries to this culture, we wouldn't be in this culture. That's true. So we start every day, Ephesians 5, 18, getting filled with the spirit, getting submitted to the spirit. We literally get in front of God, say, Lord, show me what I need to confess and confess what comes to your mind. Hmm. Then ask him to take control of you. Ask him to fill you and empower you. Walk through the day praying Hmm. about your decisions, your challenges, your opportunities, asking God to fill you, empower you and use you. And I promise you, you'll plant trees you'll never sit under. Your salt will change the food. Your light will defeat the dark. God will use your influence in your culture in ways you may not see the side of eternity. If you'll repent of self-sufficiency mm. and use even this conversation yes. to drive you to the God who wants to empower you today.
0: That's so good. Yeah, that self-sufficiency. I mean, I fight that daily. I I it's kind of like, God, just watch me. I'll, I'll take care of things for you. Right. And he just shakes his head and says... Uh, you know, I think of uh, Luke 9, you know,
1: mm.
0: if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me, forever would save his life, loses right. it. He who loses that's his right. life. What? For that's my right. sake, will save it. it it's, 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 it's abandonment to him, total surrender to him. But that's, that's not our culture. That's like, scary. Here to oh, a
1: Roman transactional religion, right? Where you place it. a sacrifice on the altar so God will bless your cross. Yes. Go to church on Sunday so God will yep. bless you on Monday. Yep. Have a quiet time so God will bless your day. That's I'll do that. the God part and then God, God will do the me part. And as you said, Roman Luke 9.23, deny yourself, take up your cross daily. Daily. Not just Sunday. Yeah. All says we're to, we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, yeah. not just our Sunday morning. That's right. right. Oh. I am crucified with Christ, not just my prayer time. Yeah. God can't bless what He can't touch. Yep. God can't lead what won't follow. God can't give who won't receive. Yep. And so it's this holistic, twenty-four-seven surrendered yeah. submission yeah. that is the true Christian life.
0: That's so good, and and it does. It takes pain. We don't we don't make a change in our life unless That's we're right. feeling uncomfortable. That's right. And yet we as American Christians, hey God, I'm <laughs> entitled to my peace and rest sure. and money and safety and security. And come on, we're, we're, yeah. we actually, if, if what we deserve, we deserve hell. Right. And he's given us so much That's and right. a future in heaven and he's blessing us and he's caring for us. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. What?
1: Yeah, That's right. Yeah. So, exactly.
0: I mean, you're, you're it's, but what does it take to get you and me as, Hmm. type eight persons, yeah. and I'm, I'm speaking certainly for me, and I assume yeah. that you might be in that same category. I'd say what my does wife it take? Yeah, my wife too. What yeah. would it take? What does it take for us to just daily do that surrender? What, what, what do you find helpful in your life? To, to Really, it's, on. To yeah, in?
1: thank you. There's a positive and negative answer to the question. Yeah. The negative is, as all, as Abraham Lincoln said, I got so far down, I had no place to look but up. Ah, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. There's moments when you're Elijah and you're thinking you're the only prophet left. There are those moments of discouragement and depression that are part of living this world. We all have thorns in the flesh. We all have places where we struggle. We have the setting sins like the Puritan said. Use those as opportunities. Use obstacles as opportunities. Hmm. Erasmus says Satan hates nothing so much as for his temptations to be used for good. So when you're facing the difficult moments and the difficult places, develop the reflex of using this as an opportunity to repent of self, to repent of self-sufficiency, to repent of self-reliance. Use those difficult places to come back to your knees and come back to this conversation and to get back up on the altar again and be crucified with Christ again. Then on the good side, develop the reflex. Man, I would love to tell you I've got this all figured out, but develop the reflex of gratitude where for every good thing that happens, we say, God, thank you for doing that. That's really good. Thank you for giving me this. Thank you for blessing me in this way. Thank you for using this in my life. Mm -hmm. If if it will either be, God, help me, or God, I thank you. If those will be our two sides, then whatever happens,
0: Mm -hmm. God
1: uses those to draw us to himself.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, what hope do you have that it's happening in the church in America today? Are we we listening? Are we listening to the problem? I mean, you, you point out on page uh what is it 80 mm. just you know th- how how the church has been so influenced by sculpt by our culture 58 uh, of white evangelicals 70 of black protestants believe cohabiting prior to marriage is acceptable if yeah. the couple plans to marry and they go on from there just and so many people we run into as we share the gospel around here in west michigan that is kind of a bible belt it's in itself in michigan mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, I'm I'm living with my my boyfriend, but we're we're going to get married and yeah, we are Christians and they are. Yeah. That's just one illustration, but the culture has so influenced us. Um is there hope or are, are we getting it? Is the pain driving us back mm. to God? Or do you have a sense of hope that we're going to we're going to be able to make the change and see this revival we've been praying for? What do you think?
1: That's it. It's a great question. Uh, the first thing that has helped me as I've tried to understand this, as I've been a student of awakenings over the years, is yeah. even the great awakenings as we look at them, 1734, 1792, yes. 1858, yes. 1904. Yes. Well, as you know, we're never as embracive of the entire culture as we might think they were looking back. Yeah. you know, uh, Even the great, second great awakening could numerically be argued would be the largest from a numeric level. In fact, still, I've, got,
0: I've got your pages. Let, let me just read perfect. some of that. Do that. To me, I, that was an because this is one that I, when I talk on, I mention the second great awakening. Yeah. And you quote from J. Edwin Orr, which is a historian mm-hmm. of awakenings. Yes. And he says that in the wake, and this will surprise, I don't know about you, but I went to high, I graduated both high school and college in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And I assumed in my mind that America was essentially a Christian nation until 1960. Yeah. Well, let's just, uh, really. let's just pop a hole in that one, that balloon. He says, in the wake of the American Revolution, which was, of course, the 1776 uh, thereafter, the new nation slid into tragic moral decay. Drunkenness became epidemic out of a population of 5,300,000 were confirmed alcoholics. 15,000 died from drinking every year. Women were afraid of walking in the streets of the cities at night for fear of sexual assault. Banks were being robbed daily. Uh, Churches in decline, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, lost more members than they gained. A congregational church did not see a new member for 16 years. Go on from there. Chief Justice of the United States, John Marshall, wrote to James Madison, the church was, was too far gone ever to be redeemed. Thomas Paine predicted Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years. I love this. And I, I talk about this too. They took a poll at Harvard University, yeah. which was created to train pastors, by the That's way, right. way back when. Right. How many of you guys are Christians here? Zero, not right. one. Princeton had two. Mm-hmm. They did mock communion at Williams College, anti Christian plays at Dartmouth, and forced the resignation of Harvard's Christian president. Um, they had to, Christians had to meet in secret. I mean, this is back in the late 1700s, that's right, that's incredible history. And then Christians began to pray, the remnant began to pray, and it, it began in Great Britain under William Carey, Andrew Fuller, and John Sutcliffe, New England, a Baptist pastor. And this is news to me, I, I didn't hear about him before from your book, but I appreciate Isaac Bacchus issued an urgent plea for revival in the new nations. They began to pray consistently on the first Monday of every month. Prayer, (laughs) prayer, prayer is so important. It's not everything, but it's the beginning. The result was a second great awakening, a movement of God that created Sunday schools, Bible societies, popular education, and led to the abolishment of slavery in England, eventually in America. And it was a major, major turning point in our country in fact, there's a historian at uh, Notre Dame who uh, has studied this area. He says the Second Great Awakening was this the most significant, social, impactful event in the history of America.
1: It absolutely was. It actually saved America.
0: And we look at 70,
1: seventy-six to eighty-three and the battle for independence, and we yep. think, well, you know, when all of that is done, the country's set, and it's exactly what we think it is. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a huge issue in the day as to whether we were one nation or thirteen they would say the united states are it was after the civil war they would say the united states is if you look at the constitution states is in uh the united is in small case states is in capital united states of america sure it was a huge question if we were going to be one country of 13 to begin with huge issues about slavery even in the day the horrific immorality Yep. That Edwin Orr describes and that you read there. And historians, whether they're believers or not, will say the second great awakening saved America, saved the culture of this country, saved the unity Thank you, of this country by the movement of the Holy Spirit. Oh, do and it. What again. God has done, God yes. can still do. He hasn't yeah. changed. Yeah. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh. So the more we look like what you just read, mm-hmm. the good news is the more we can experience what they experienced mm-hmm. if we'll do what they did
0: that's so good and again there's a, a whole group of christians of course today again just about every culture probably has lived at a time where they say well christ is going to return in our you know soon and so let's just you know kind of close ourselves up in our little shells here protect ourselves from the bad boys out there and just wait for the rapture wait for the end That's not what we're supposed to do, is it, brother?
1: Not at all. No, we're called to be salt and light. Salt's no good in the salt shaker. Light's no good under the basket. You and I don't know when the Lord's returning. We don't. What I do know is, is that I don't know, right? That's right. We only have today to be ready. We should live in absolute expectation and urgency, That's good. but at the same time, God put me on the, someone said, God put me on the preparation committee, not the planning committee, (laughs) you know? Quick story there, if I could. I was preaching on sure. judgment one Sunday many years ago at First Baptist Church Midland uh, when I was pastor of that wonderful church back in those days. And I was that morning saying to the congregation, We don't know when we're going to go to the Lord in death or he's going to come to us in his return. So we need to be ready today. Mm-hmm. We had our evening service. Uh, and after that, we had a fellowship, a Baptist church, you know, a fellowship, food, all that sort sure, of thing. Sure. An older couple in the church came up to me at this fellowship, wanted to thank me for the sermon that morning. Told me they'd really taken what I said to heart that afternoon. They really got alone with the Lord. They made sure they were right with God and wanted to be ready whenever the Lord might come for them or they might go to him. Wanted to thank me for that on Sunday. On Monday, she died. Wow. On Tuesday, I got a thank you note from her in the mail. She had written a note to be Sunday afternoon, (sighs) put it in the mailbox in case she didn't see me that night. She passed away on Monday. I got the note on Tuesday. I read it at her memorial service on Wednesday. I still have that note. I love it. I love None of it. us knows. So you want to be ready today, and you want the Lord to find you at work today. That's if you right. did know that the Lord was returning tomorrow, do you want, to, do you want him to find you idle mm-hmm. or obedient? That's really good. So you need to be salt and light today. Yep. Urgent.
0: I mean, we get, I mean you, you point out different ways to respond to culture. And, uh, you know, we can either say, well, culture is great. Everything's fine about it or be totally against it. And, you know, there's a number of folks that just hate everything around them. And, and uh, you know, again, there, there's, there's a lot of evil, a lot of craziness. Mm-hmm. But like I say, when I talk, I say I cannot blame non-Christians for behaving like Christians. That's right. But when those of us that claim to be Christ followers behave like non-Christians, that's the problem.
1: That's the problem.
0: We need to repent and be all in with Jesus. And I can't do it in my own strength and my own flesh. It's got to be Jesus through me as I daily, as we talked about, di- denying myself, taking up my cross, following him, being filled with the spirit and letting him you know, speak through us. But, you know, Christ above culture, Christ and culture in paradox. But the, 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 the thing you circle basically is Christ transforming
1: culture, mm-hmm. I love that. Talk, talk a little, unpack that thought a little bit, would you? Happy to do that. You bet. Uh, I was a seminary student back in the 80s. Some people hearing us don't know there was a thing called the 80s, but uh, <laughs> you know, dinosaurs roaming the earth and all that. Yeah. But uh, our textbook in ethics then was at that point 30 years old. It's still being used today. It's a real classic by uh-huh. Richard Lieber entitled <laughs> Christ and Culture. Okay, And he essentially describes, as you've said there, the five ways that the church and the culture have historically related to each other. The first would be Christ against culture. Nothing to do with it. Be Amish. Pull back. Withdraw. Retreat. Now, in some ways, that's true. I want to pull back from pornography, right? I want to pull back from that which is obviously sinful. So that's true. But the church pulling back keeps the salt in the salt shake or the light under the basket. The opposite, the second will be Christ of culture. Go where the church, go where the culture goes. Mm-hmm. If it changes its mind on abortion or on same-sex marriage, then you change your mind. Well, you want to go where the culture goes in terms of using technology, in terms mm-hmm. of using opportunities like this sure. podcast, right? Sure, now. sure. What you don't want to do is let the culture make your theological decisions. For That's it. good. The That's third good. is a Christ above culture. It's kind of Sunday versus Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, in some senses, There's a way in which if I'm an oil man on Monday, that's a little different than teaching the Sunday school class on Sunday, but you want to be the same person, both places. Mm. You want to be living for Jesus, as we've been saying, both places. The fourth is Christ and culture and paradox. You engage the culture for the sake of growing the church. Well, we want to do that. We want the church to grow. We want people coming to Christ, and we want churches to grow. But the fourth move doesn't so much ask, is the culture any different? Are divorce rates going down? Is sex trafficking stopping? Mm-hmm. Is God working in the culture? That's the fifth model, Christ transforming culture. And that's where we're being salt and light. Amen. Salt can't touch anything. It doesn't change. Amen. Light can't touch darkness. It doesn't defeat. If God isn't changing the world through us, the question is, is he changing us? That's good. if god's doing something in me he's going to do it through me that's Uh just how it works yeah so we can measure the degree to which we're close to jesus by the degree to which god is working through me Mm
0: -hmm. with those
1: that i'm close to outside of jesus Mm -hmm. so it's a christ transforming culture appeal that the book is based on that's really good
0: Uh, jim just let's say that you could sit down with every person who is a Christ follower, who genuinely wants to, to be all that Christ wants them to be. We're talking Americans uh, that are you know, at least 20 years old. Just talk to them. What, what would you want to say to them? Just again, they they want to make a difference, but they, they're, they're a little confused as, well, what's the next step? What, what do I need to be doing? Talk yeah. to them.
1: Great. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Years ago in college, I had a professor who said the will of God is not a searchlight that shows you the destination. It's a flashlight that shows you the next step.
0: That is so good. I think
1: that's right. You know, so Mm. I would say to that person, be in the will of God today, be reading his word, be praying, be in community Mm. with the body of Christ. Yes. A coal taken out of the fire goes out. Yep. The enemy is always from An- Ananas and Sapphire today trying to divide the church, right? So yes. be in a community of accountability and encouragement and be in the word, be in prayer, be filled with the spirit, be controlled by the spirit. It starts there. I can't give what I don't have. I can't lead where I'm not willing to go. And then second, every single day, say with Isaiah, here am I, send me. love it. And know that where you are is your kingdom assignment. There may be a different one tomorrow, but here's today. Bloom where you're planted. See the people you know as your missionary opportunity, be praying for them by name, Mm -hmm. saying, Lord, use me in their lives as you wish, and trust that he will give you words you didn't know to say. Mm -hmm. He will lead you into opportunities you didn't know to expect, and he will use you to plant trees you'll never sit under. He'll use you to make an impact you didn't expect. If you'll be in his will today, he will use you for eternity's sake today. Be encouraged. God can use you like he can use nobody else. I love it. Augustine said, "God loves each of us as if there were only one of us." I would add to that: God uses each of us as if there were only one of us, and He has a plan to use you today if you'll be submitted to that plan today.
0: That is so good. That's so good. Well, again, I'd encourage folks get a copy of this great book written by my friend Jim Dennison. And uh, Jim, why don't you close us in prayer? Would you
1: do that? Be delighted. Father God, thank you for Randy. I pray right now your blessing for him, Mm. for his family, for his ministry, for all that you've called him to do in these days. Mm. Father, I'm convinced that you absolutely have your hand on him and you called him into this moment. Mm. I pray you will bless him and all that he's about. I pray for Western Michigan to be in many ways a catalyst for spiritual awakening, not just for Michigan, Mm. but for our entire nation, our entire culture. We know that awakening starts somewhere. They start with someone. May it be Randy and his group and what's happening there as a catalyst for the movement we desperately need. Then, Father, I pray for those hearing this today that they'll be encouraged by Mm. your spirit. I know the enemy is working in discouragement. I know that right now the enemy is causing us to see the news and see the culture, wants us to give up, wants Mm. us to abandon. Mm. Father, help us to know it's always too soon to give up on you. Speak a word of encouragement in the hearts and minds Mm. and lives of Mm. those hearing this right now. Mm -hmm. Make them feel your grace, your peace, your power, your presence. Mm -hmm. Make them know that you're using them in ways they can see and can't see. Mm -hmm. Father, use them even in this day and encourage them even in this day. I pray especially for pastors Mm -hmm. and for spiritual leaders that God in a very difficult season, that they Mm -hmm. will be blessed and empowered and encouraged, that we together would repent of self-reliance and turn to spirit dependence more than ever before. And use these challenges as the opportunity of this day and this season. Mm. Father God, do it again. Do what you've done in the past, what you're doing around the world right now. Do it here. Do it with us. We pray. Let it begin with me. That's our prayer in yes. Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, Jim, I love you, brother. And I'm just. And I pr- hear proud proud of you for mm, obeying you. and taking those steps of obedience and no, challenging the church in America. God, continue to guide you, bless you, protect
1: you. Thank you for thank talking you. with us. What a privilege for me today. God bless
0: Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.